Welcome to IndieWire's Very Good Television Podcast. I'm Liz Shannon Miller at LizLit on Twitter. And I'm Liz Shannon Miller. Or wait, no, that's not right. I'm Ben Travers, and I'm at Ben T. Travers on Twitter. Maybe I should start, just take over and be like, I'm Liz Shannon Miller alongside Dan, uh, Ben Travers. And then we yeah. would be like sports night, and Ooh. then I mean, we'd be awesome. Oh, man, yeah. And it would take all the pressure off me because these intros, they just get me flustered. Yeah, remember the time you actually had to do one and you were very, you were very worried. Yeah, I sweated through three shirts. That was rough. <laughs> so um, we're here, and we're here in the middle of October, and things are happening. It's a pretty busy October so far. Lots of shows, lots of launches happening all the time. TV, you need to chill just a little bit because we're we're really behind. We're not now, really look- behind. We're just working a lot to make sure we're not really behind. Yeah, and that's, I mean, just not an optimal position. I mean, I'm still trying to trying to recover from last night's onslaught of Sunday night television. I mean, don't they understand that The Leftovers is out and everything else should just stop? Just wait. Just uh, give, it, give it 10 weeks, then you can come around. Uh, but Walking Dead, Ben. Walking yeah. Dead has to happen. I don't, I don't know about has to. I guess, you know, in AMC's mind... If there is a time during the year when there is not a zombie show on television, then there is something wrong and they are in a panic. But I mean, for the rest of us, I think it would I think we'd be fine. Uh, Just think of it as subsidizing uh, Better Call Saul. (laughs) Yeah, actually, that does make it sound a lot better. That makes that makes my heart a little bit happier today. Besides, the people love it. Eh, I don't know. I don't know if they do. I mean, I understand that there's a large portion of them that do. But some of the people I know who watch it, watch it out of like some sort of sick obligation where they keep saying things like, yeah, that show is tough or, yeah, I don't know what's going on or, I don't know, it's fine, but I, I'll keep with it. It's like, I don't, I mean, why? I just, the why is what confuses me, but I, I don't know. Yeah, I hear you. Um, but this is actually kind of, this is essentially a lead into our conversation today, which is over the topic of horror on television, because it's October now, and that means apparently there's this thing called Halloween. I, for some reason, have not managed to even think of a Halloween costume yet, uh, let alone figure out what I'm doing that night. And yet the TV is here to remind me that horror is a big deal on television right now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's kind of, I mean, one of the things I noticed over the years with uh, specific films is obviously they target themselves to come out on Halloween or near Halloween uh, to, you know, boost up that box office. And, you know, they've uh, since, you know, the first weekend has become more and more important. Now they're starting to do it where the biggest ones will come out a week before Halloween. So they'll get the onslaught of first weekend grosses as well as uh, you know, down the line the next weekend when Halloween hits, people will still go back to see it because they want to see something scary on Halloween. And that seems to be taking over all of October when it comes to television. I mean, we've had American Horror Story that just launched. We've got, I mean, even Scream Queens has like an element of Halloween. I think they're doing a Halloween special even. Um, and they're really just kind of, you know, using up this entire month now as a horror month. And I mean, for fans, that's got to be a great thing. Yeah, I I feel like there's, the question is though, like, I mean, how much of it is actually scary at this point? Like, you know, I, I watched American Horror Story last week just kind of out of idle curiosity, and it was certainly graphic, and it was certainly weird as hell, but was I scared at any point watching it? I mean, I couldn't really say. 
Yeah, I definitely wasn't scared in the sense of whatever is happening on screen is terrifying me other than the fact of like that happening on screen with that guy doing that thing to that other guy with that thing to kill him. Uh, ugh, that terrifies me to think that someone thought of that. Uh, but uh, but no, outside of that, I think that's kind of the interesting topic on horror in general right now. I mean, it's it's not it's not exclusively about what's scary. I mean, even The Walking Dead. I mean, they have very specific moments of 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 surprises. They have some things that really build up and will shock you and, and horrify you. But a lot of it is just gruesome. I mean, mm-hmm. what's what's that column or the section um, on our our episode reviews where it's it kind of notes. It's just so, the most a, horrific thing. I believe it's something along the lines of this week in grossness. Yeah, and, I mean, oh, it's always just so gross. It really is. It's just, it's not scary. Like when I when I read it and when I've seen it and then I read it, whatever you know, order, it doesn't it doesn't scare me, but it does just gross me the f out. Yeah, but I do think uh, it sounds like uh, it, it, you know. Walking Dead, though, is actually, it is full of the gross factor, which I think is honestly, for some people, kind of the appeal. But also, it you know, they, they are actually trying to build serious suspense. And I think last night's episode, which featured uh, a zombie horde and what's going to happen with a zombie horde, because we know what the worst possible outcome would be. And here it comes, that worst possible outcome. Like, that just seems, that was really well, that was really well established over the course of the episode. That's classic um, you know, suspense, scary storytelling. Yeah, but I, I still feel like there's something, and I mean, this goes into like a lot of subgenres of horror in general, um, or just, you know, scary movies or however you want to classify them. But I feel like The Walking Dead still concentrates on that buildup to being, uh, it's more about, I, I guess to me, it's more about depression. Like it just, it leads up to, like you said, the worst possible outcome of what could happen and it gives it to us. And sometimes that's surprising. You know, it's always, you know, pretty suspenseful, but it doesn't scare me. I'm not, I'm not recoiling from the screen or, or, you know, it's not working its way into my mind the way, you know, like really classic horror stories do where I, I can't watch it at night anymore. It's more of just like, oh, shit, this. So I don't know. It's it's a diff. It's a different feeling for me whenever I've watched The Walking Dead than when I watch, I guess you know, prototypically scary movies. That was actually an interesting point. Like I think honestly, the scariest part about The Walking Dead is the fact that all of those people are terribly depressed and have very good reason to hate their lives and all that. Like I remember the first season. Like you know, by the end of it, you know, there's a spoiler minor mild vague spoiler for the end of walking dead season one at least two or three characters just decide to kill themselves and you don't really (laughs) argue with that like they 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 are not in a good place and go for it buddies i i mean and that that was kind of that was disturbing and yeah yeah it wasn't you know that's it's disturbing on an existential level versus what I consider to be an entertainment level, which is you know fun zombie slaying antics like in Shaun of the Dead or something oh yeah, absolutely, and I feel like that's kind of more of what the Ryan Murphy kind of horror is going for, like I mean, yeah, there's some elements of it that are just disgusting, and it will revel in that disgusting nature of it, frankly, that the introduction for Lady Gaga, um which I thought was probably the best part of that episode was definitely just, you know, this glorification of of blood, of 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 that element of of the horror show. But he's very much more concerned with kind of the 
the campy, aesthetical pleasures of what you can incorporate into this horror genre and what you can incorporate into an anthology series. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't work for me very well because <laughs> because I don't I don't have a strong connection to the characters. I don't think he builds that much on them. I feel like he steals more than he pays homage to stuff. Um, but uh, but he's definitely going for more of a more of a campy vibe and then with scream queens especially he's going for more of a fun vibe he's going more of the of the comedic horror genre yeah scream queens is definitely the show i find myself more interested in watching uh but it's interesting uh so i've been as i do semi regularly i've been doing a rewatch of the original classic x-files i'm in the middle of season 6 right now and i watched an episode i hadn't seen in a really long time called trevor uh, which is, uh, it's, it's like one of these episodes I just never could, I couldn't remember what happened in it. So I just decided, oh, I'll let it play while working on other stuff, see what happens. And it was actually a really good episode. Uh, I, I, I totally undersold it to myself years ago. Uh, and what's really the, the, the X-File, if you will, is there's a guy who can essentially walk through walls. He's able to pass, you know, he's able to pass through solid matter. And mm. with a couple of exceptions. And uh, I was re- you know, reading about it like they were talking about how they did, had no money to make this episode. So they had to really work around certain effects. And uh, I'll go ahead and spoil one minor thing, which is that the one thing this guy can't really cross through is glass. Uh, which if you can. And so imagine him getting uh, getting hit by a car uh, and, you know, the windshield happening. Uh, yes. And the way they pull that effect off is, uh, you know, it's, it's largely off screen, but you know exactly what's happening and it's freaky as hell. And it, it, if Ryan Murphy was making it, we would see intestines on the ground and, you know, we would see so much gross stuff like, but it, it, you know, there was an advantage to not having enough money and also not being able to show incredibly gross things on television. You can make sometimes better television. Oh, absolutely. And that's, I mean, that also goes to kind of one of the larger arguments or at least criticisms for where modern horror is, has been trending, which is towards, you know, the intestines, towards the disgusting, grossest possible, you know, imagination that you can, that you can muster. I mean, uh, and, and that's that, you know, what you don't show is scarier than what you do show. It's the alien, it's the alien mentality. It's the exorcist mentality. It's kind of that, that classic, you know, horror attitude of, you know, a lot of these were low budget, a lot of these were hard to make, you know, the two I just mentioned obviously weren't, but I mean, they still go after that sense of, you know, what we don't show you can scare you just as much and the challenge of it is if you don't have a budget, then you have to come up with the creative means to do this and that's often, you know, results in a much better movie. Um now, I mean, you got to you have to be impressed by some of the stuff they're able to come up with. I mean, the makeup people, the costumes, the, I mean, who everything on The Walking Dead is astounding. Like, what they can do in that very specific department is, you know, just flawless. And, and it's nice to see them giving them even a little bit more budget as they, you know, keep getting more and more popular to explore those kind of things. But on the other end of the spectrum, if you really are just trying to create something truly scary or too, truly frightening, there's other ways to go about doing that. And I think that's one of the interesting things about television now Murphy and a few others are pushing the element of what they can show on TV, which is something we have never really been able to explore until the last you know decade or so. Um, they're pushing those boundaries and seeing what they can get away with, and they're getting away with a lot. 
But what would be interesting to me is if you put up something that was truly just horrifying from like a psychological sense or from from just not being grossed out, not something where they could put a sensor over it and get away with it. If you presented something like that on television, what would the ratings board do? What would the FCC do? What would we re- how would we react as an audience? I mean, the question the thing is, like the standards are so different now and so weird. Like you you really have to go all out in order to pull off something like that. And I'm curious, uh, for, uh, I mean, for you, I mean, talking about the, the, you know, kind of like the alien not showing too much model, is there anything right now on television that kind of captures that? Oh, that's a good question, Liz. And you're posing it to someone who is uh, a self-admitted Frady cat. Like, I, I get freaked out by the scariest stuff. And if it's if it's really good, then I will put myself in the situation where I have to watch it. I'll make myself watch that. Um, I think I've only been doing that with movies though lately. Like I made sure I watched the Babadook. I'm getting ready to, to sum up the courage for it follows and a few other, um, of these, you know, really well-made and well-reviewed horror movies that are out there. But in terms of TV, oh man, I feel like there's gotta be an example and it's just, it's not coming to mind. Well, uh, there's, uh, I feel like it's worth shouting out for the returned uh, right now because that that's, is, yeah, that's a good pick. I think it's a, it's a, that's a, that 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 show's returning to Sundance at the end of the month, and it's a nice subtle, uh, night. You're you're quiet, subtle sort of zombie drama. Um, <laughs> but that one, I feel like that one's kind of the easy, obvious choice right now. But you know what, Ben? I'm going to do something kind of bold. I'm going to suggest that the leftovers, uh, actually. I mean, I'm not. It doesn't have pure horror elements, but there are moments of that show I find genuinely spooky in a way that you know I don't find in a lot of other television. Oh, I I would absolutely agree with this. I didn't want to be the one to bring it up because I felt like that would minute fourteen is what it took. (laughs) Yep, just reflect my own obsession more than more than lending it any sort of credence. But I mean, you're right. There's definitely elements that show that kind of build to. Uh, at least a similar depressingly horrific like crescendo as the walking dead does i mean if you look at uh, if you look at the end of season 1 and kind of what happens to patty that moment in and of itself is very horrifying even the opening of the series where the woman is just you know her baby is screaming she's on the phone she's trying to get stuff done she puts it in the back seat of the car she moves to the front seat of the car she looks back and her baby's gone that's horror right there. I mean, that is an absolute terrifying moment for people. And it's you know, obviously something that would turn you off from watching the show, but it's not something that could be censored. It's not something that could be, uh, you know, like just kind of worked around. They had to incorporate that into this TV show. And obviously HBO isn't working with the same standards as uh, standards of practice as people as, you know, FX or, or Fox or some of the other you know network people. But I mean, yeah, it's, that's a very terrifying element of that show. And that show does, unsettle you in the way that true great horror does yeah i mean it makes me really excited actually about uh westworld oh man yeah westworld is going to be a trip yeah because uh this is the upcoming if you if you're not familiar with westworld uh i feel like we've mentioned it at least once or twice but i'm I, we're both really excited for it uh this is uh hbo is adapting uh the michael crichton movie from 1973 into what looks like a really weird really weird, really dark series about, you know, a, a robot, a robot run, uh, amusement park that gets kind of, you know, existential and dark 
I already said dark, but yeah. <laughs> it's worth repeating. I mean, this is a, I mean, this is from Jonathan Nolan. Uh, obviously, you know, Christopher Nolan's brother, he's worked on a lot of, 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 of great films. But, I mean, the cast alone is something to just kind of sit back and be astounded by. Uh, Anthony Hopkins, Jeffrey Wright, Evan Rachel Wood, James Marsden. I mean, like the list goes on. Um, but yeah, it's it's def. I feel like we've only been given a very small taste of it. And then, I mean, there are those reports that came out about what they were asking the extras to do, which <laughs> yeah, adds another are- just element of strange sexuality to what the hell is the show going to be? But I mean, what the hell is the show going to be? I, I I'm very excited to see kind of that. Kind of them try to put something out there again that's very bold and daring and and different. And I feel like there's no way that this show won't be at least those things. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, the original film is essentially a horror movie. It's, you know, it's it's basically kind of a, you know, dry run for Jurassic Park. Uh, the amusement, it's an amusement park filled with robots. Spoiler alert. The robots get ev- go evil and start killing all the people. Uh, that's basically the second half of the movie is the robots malfunction and start killing people but Uh, i think in the show aren't they turning it around a little bit so that we're seeing this more from the perspective of the robots like aren't we from inside instead of on the outside i believe so and like there's going to be actual character development of the robots which is again very exciting yeah that's just something that's that you know there's a lot of different ways you could go about approaching that and all of them are fascinating all of them seem very difficult to do and the fact that they've They've either cracked it or they think they've cracked it is, is exciting to, to work up to. Yeah. And you know what? Speaking of uh, Jonathan Nolan, I think it's really – I, I want to bring in uh, a show we don't talk about pretty much at all that I've started started digging into and I've heard really good things about. Uh, Person of Interest, which uh, Jonathan Nolan created for CBS several years ago. Uh, from what I understand, you know, it has it had all the framework of being just kind of a straight down the line procedural with a kind of weird sci-fi twist in that there's a predict there's a machine that's turning out social security numbers that, you know, w- reflect people who are about to be involved in some sort of major crisis. Uh, whether or not they inst- they're instigating the crisis or they're fixing the crisis, that's to be determined, et cetera, twist. Uh, but from what I understand, it's evolved really nicely into more of a psychological thriller with conspiracy elements. Uh, and, you know, at the core of it is this machine that has actually become a sentient AI. And that's spooky enough for you if, if, you, if you're looking for something kind of subtle in terms of, uh, in, ter- in terms of your, you know, suspense drama. If you're looking for something subtle in terms of CBS television, then yeah, that would do it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean... We live in a world where Zoo exists and got a second season. So <laughs> Yeah, but Extant got canceled. And that's I just, know. Oh. It's okay. Yeah. We'll always but. we'll always have we'll always have the robot boy the robot kid fighting the alien kid. That's uh, true. It will live forever on Amazon Prime. It will live forever on Amazon Prime. God bless Extant. Though that actually was a show that had some real that pilot is spooky. Um yeah. she you know, cause it, you you it's basically, you know, you go to space and space is a scary place and then there's weird alien mold trying to take over the world that's not you know a good thing oh, no no i think that sounds pretty bad um but what's i guess what's what's kind of going back to what you were saying about um about conspiracy theories i mean i feel like this connects back a little bit with the x-files and kind of how much the x-files kickstarted for television, I mean, the list is is nearly endless. But I mean, 
if you look at kind of the structuring of it, where you often talk about how there's, you know, there's episodes devoted to the conspiracy, there's episodes devoted to kind of Monsters of the Week, there's episodes that kind of, you know, border between those two things. I mean, you could argue that this started, that this was something that started the horror genre on TV, or at least, you know, helped it along or, or, or built it up to where it is today. And then one of the things that I think fits in really well, and especially with the way they're structuring this new uh, X-Files revival, where they're doing... Uh, the first episode is kind of conspiracy heavy. The middle four is Monsters of the Week. The last episode kind of bookending it with more of the conspiracy storyline. I mean, it's almost like it's an anthology series like within its individual episodes. Like That's kind of where some of this came from, and that's one of the ways horror works really well because you can give it a beginning and an ending, and then you can start over if you either keep kind of the core creators involved like they do with American Horror Story or if you just stuck with certain characters and then it becomes into kind of a procedural kind of thing but because of the way television's leaning these days I think they're going to start turning more of those procedurals into more of kind of an anthology series and that's kind of exciting in and of itself. Well I think what you just said is so interesting because it speaks to the big advantage that anthology series have which is unlike you know your standard your standard television show you can kill the characters right like you can go crazy killing characters and you know tv's you know there are definitely shows that have not shied away from killing characters you know from sopranos on up uh but no you like they, they uh you know you can really go to town killing people as ryan murphy has proven for several seasons now and uh you know you don't that doesn't mean that you're damaging the brand or losing a key cast member because people do get attached to cast members at the very least. Yeah, and it's 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 become almost a trademark of where television is today. I, I won't I'll never forget when I was talking to Edward Norton about public morals, which is a show that is not an anthology series. You mean, it's not you mean, a horror you mean series. Edward Burns? Edward Burns, of course. Sorry, I'm, I don't know where my head's at. Um, must have seen too many of those fan duel commercials on TV this weekend, but. <laughs> Um, but no, and he was talking about it. One of the reasons he said he was excited to come to television and one of the reasons where he was like, hold on, I can do this now was when he was watching Game of Thrones and spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen season one, when Sean Bean died, he was just taken aback. He's like, wait, you killed Sean Bean? You can't kill Sean Bean. This is a TV. I can do that. I can do that on TV now. Okay, I'm going to make some TV. And then he kind of does that a little bit with public morals definitely in in a bigger way than a lot of shows have tried to do and definitely with a bigger name than people were probably expecting um but i mean it it's a game changer and it allows kind of the creatives a little bit more control it makes things a little more exciting and i mean it's an element that is you know prime position for horror to play with and then it's starting to spill over into other genres as well yeah i want to go back and mention that you brought up the x-files as a very early uh, a very early example of where of television, I think, just playing more with genre in general and taking like a genre show, a sci-fi show, what have you, seriously and letting lending it that kind of weight. But we have to mention the Twin Twin Peaks as well because that sure. that predates pre the X Files and well, and of course the Twilight Zone too. I mean, that, oh, yeah. there's there's a number of them that that were technically before it. But as terms of where we're at now, yeah, Twin Peaks is a is a good one to bring up. And the Twilight Zone, Twilight Zone, interestingly enough, anthology show. Fact. Very, yeah, a very good point. Oh, man. TV's so good, Ben. There's a lot of it, too, which is, which is, it makes it good that most of it is good. Yes, definitely. I mean, we've talked a lot about Ryan Murphy, despite the fact that neither of us really care for his workings. I mean, I... I yeah, there's scathing. I've got some scathing reviews up for both of those shows, but they, I mean... 
in their own way, they definitely still push boundaries and, and make for interesting discussions. Yeah, I like, I mean, the Scream Queens didn't bother me as much as it, I thought it would. Like, and I appreciated what they were trying to do. And I like, I like that the cast is so into it. Yeah, I mean, there there's good reasons for that show to exist, unlike American Horror Story, which sometimes <laughs> feels like why 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 did you why did you, why did people spend money to make this show? Yeah, well, hell, that that hotel is gorgeous. I'll give them that. Where is that? Do you know where that hotel is? I have no idea. No, I. Uh, I mean, I the mean, show's so clearly set in downtown LA. Yeah, it's definitely an LA based show, so I would assume that's somewhere there. That exterior, at least, is somewhere in LA. But the the interiors that they've built, the I mean, that production design, God, that's that is impressive. Yep, yep. Well, I imagine we'll see some we'll see some love for it coming up at, at Emmy time. Golden oh, time. always, yeah, every time. What's What's really interesting to me about that too is considering it's an anthology series, and yet you know it's a continue it's a perennial player at the Emmys. And then one of the biggest questions that people have when it comes to the Emmys is whether or not voters keep watching the shows that they're nominating. And, you know, the voting's changed a little bit now um, that puts even more of an emphasis on that. But, you know, when you're when you're nominating people from American Horror Story, it's hard for me to imagine people wanting, like, especially the TV Academy, wanting to watch all of those shows, all of those episodes, like, every year again and again and again. At least they're new, I guess. At least it's a new story, and they like these actors, obviously. But it's a hard show to watch. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, the thing that's nice about anthology shows is you can jump into them relatively easily. Like, uh, you know, I was talking with someone this weekend about Fargo, and she was like, oh, I've never seen it. And normally I'm kind of, I, 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 I tend to be a bit of a purist. But this time I'm able to say, no, you can just dive into Fargo season two. Like, because it's... It you know it definitely helps to have been watching season one and to understand why we're you know why we're in the past why we care about these characters but the show stands on its own um, and uh, there and by the way there's another that Fargo is maybe a, a, another great example of a show that is filled with real terror um, and on a very subtle on a very subtle platform yeah in a very real way I mean in, in a way where they. <laughs> They make you question kind of the line between reality and nah, I don't want to say television. I don't want to say horror, but, you know, those moments when, especially in season one, when all of a sudden uh, a simple scene, a simple, you know, fight between a couple and then. Bam. Yes, bam. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> so, I mean, I, yeah, it's uh, it's it's interesting how they make you feel and how they kind of toy with your. Uh, with your emotions for those scenes. Yeah, I mean, well, probably one of the most horrifying moments of 2014 for me was Fargo, I believe, episode nine, when Martin Freeman tells his wife to pull up her hood. Oh, God, yeah. That's, that's just, I mean, I, oh, describing that to you, right, it, the, the words I'm using to describe that are as blunt as possible because it is so horrifying. Um, yeah. And on a level that uh, Ryan Murphy cannot touch. <laughs> no, 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 he cannot. Nor, and this is important to point out. Nor am I sure he wants to. Yes, that's fair. Like, I mean, he's doing what he's doing is very much his own thing. It's just, I, it, it's, I, I don't know if it's good for television. Is all right. Yes, very, yes, very true. Ah oh, man, uh, yeah, TV. well uh to kind of wrap things up and to bring things back to our favorite topic um the x-files is (laughs) definitely not 
an anthology series yet. I will point out that I, I got to go see the episode one premiere and no, we have a strict policy. I'm not going to spoil anything for anyone. Guys, but, he, won't, he won't even tell me stuff. I've been asking him like I've been asking for specific spoilers and he refuses to do it. I will not confirm or deny anything, Liz. It is much better for all of us that you have a very honest reaction to what unfolds in this episode because I mean, it's I'm, very entertaining. I'm going to laugh my ass off. I know it. I think you're going to have. I think you're going to go through the full range of emotion. Like your spectrum will be covered. I'll just emerge as the star child from the end of 2001. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's exactly it. Awesome. Um, but at the panel afterwards, after what they screened, we had, they had they brought out Duchovny and and Chris Carter and Mitch Pileggi, and uh, it was hosted by Kumail Nanjiani, who's the X Files super fan, is on podcast that's very much worth listening to. Uh, if you're into the X Files as much as as Liz and and lots of other people are. Um, but what they've talked about, and one of the things that was interesting to me was they did talk about finding an access point for people who had never seen the X-Files. And it's such a strange idea to me because (laughs) I grew up with it for one. And because it's such a huge part of the culture in general for two, but finally, I mean, the way Fox is handling this rollout it's like they're bringing back <laughs> they're bringing back something that everyone knows. Like they don't seem to be trying that hard to build suspense or, or excitement or anything for anyone other than the core fandom. And yet, the, I mean, the show itself definitely tries to make it okay for newcomers to step into this world. And I, I mean, you can read the review for yourself. I, I don't think it works out that well. I don't think new viewers would be very happy with what they're seeing, but. Um, but they definitely make that effort and it's, it's an interesting way they go about it. Yeah. I mean, the thing is that we all, you know, you could find a random person on the street, ask them what the X-Files is and they'd be like, uh, that show with the aliens in the nineties, uh, they, the FBI agents, they investigate stuff. And you know, that's an accurate description of the premise. Um, so yeah, I feel like there's, there is, there is, there is room to understand that the average viewer might need, might need at least a primer into what what's going on because not everyone apparently rewatches the x-files from seasons one through nine semi-regularly well that's the other thing that we've joked about too liz just in our like our little exchanges about kind of the continuity issues that chris carter <laughs> oh to love, with, to, love, let's to, say. to love the x-files requires a selective memory sometimes right yeah. So I. So again, like it's. I, I'm not. I'm not going to say anymore. Uh, we'll talk about it when it comes out. But yeah, I will be very interested to see how people react to this episode. And and in particular, I'm talking about new fans and what what they think they should know by now. What maybe they think they're missing out on. And then you know, people who are are devout to the series and have watched it a million times and are still probably in the same boat. Fair enough. Yep. So with that said, Ben, what was the best thing you watched last week? Uh, the best thing I watched last week was something that's coming out this week. So it works out well for everybody. Um, I watched The Nick Season 2, uh, oh. Episodes 1 through 4. Um, I was a little bit ahead of that because I had to speak to, or I got to speak to, of course. I got to speak to uh, Clive Owen and um, uh, Dr. Algernon Edwards. Uh, who's just oh god he's so good and he should have his own show I played mean, by Andre Holland right Andre Holland I, I he should just have like his character should just be the whole show and the show would be so much better and it's actually a very good show which is why obviously I'm noting it as my best thing 
Um, I was one of the slight detractors last season. I'm, I'm still not fully on board with it. There's a lot of beautiful things that it does. Uh, obviously, Steven Soderbergh's camera is just worth watching all the time, no matter what he's pointing it at. It's it's just fascinating to see kind of how he makes decisions and where he goes with things. And season two is definitely taking this in uh, not a bold new direction per se, but definitely into an area that should stir up some exciting conflict. So uh, so yeah, season two of the Nick is definitely uh, is definitely very good, especially if you enjoyed the first season, maybe even more than I did. Uh, did you do you feel like season two is an improvement on season one? Uh. No, <laughs> I want I don't think I'd say that, especially because what one of the unique things with season one was they gave us, I think they gave us like the first seven episodes when it like before it came out for for critics to watch and give their season review of. And I'm pretty sure it's it's either that seventh or eighth episode that is really just the by far away, like one of the best episodes of television of 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 the year, let alone like of the series, but it's 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 head above heels above the rest of the season. Um, and they don't have an episode like that included in the screeners for season two. I could definitely see where one could come up, and maybe they'd find that again. But I, I would never say it's it's definitely a continuation, and it, it it's only an improvement if they can find a way to access that kind of drama and emergency, uh, like just just immediacy, really, uh, again and again and again. Cool. But what about you, Liz? What was the best thing you saw? Um. So I. This is not a classy choice, but I finally caught up with the season premieres of Arrow and the Flash last last night, and I've, I've been saving them because I had a lot of other TV I had to watch, uh, or for, I needed to watch in a timely fashion, so I didn't get to these right away. But the Flash and Arrow are like they just the the Arrow in particular is trying to course correct after a pretty not great season uh, season three. And it's doing making a lot of great choices, and it's so fun. It's just really fun, well-made superhero television. And that is a rare thing. Uh, no, actually, it's not a rare thing. Uh, it's a super common thing nowadays. But I just get... It, it, it's, I mean... <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if superhero television that's really, really well-made is, is a common thing on television. But Well, okay. it's not... It, it's just... It, it hits the genre notes so perfectly that I have to admire it. And, yeah. I mean, it's going to be... I, I can't wait for Legends of Tomorrow. It just sounds like it's going to be the most bonkers show. Oh, um, it has to be. God, look at the cast. It's, it's an amazing cast. It, that... Ah, oh, my reaction Brandon to watching... Brandon Ralph. What? Brandon Routh. Brandon Routh and Wentworth Miller and Dominic Purcell. And there's going to be Hawk Girl. There's going to be a girl with hawk wings. And then they all travel in time. Yep. That's, that sounds like bonkers TV. Oh, so excited. 2016. <laughs> so that's Liz's next thing. <laughs> no. No. Uh, actually, my next thing is uh, I'm going to say Ash versus Evil Dead. Uh, yeah, keeping, keeping with the horror theme of our episode, uh, I, it's, I I do not anticipate that show being particularly subtle and full oh. of subtle, uh, full of quiet little scare moments. Uh, I believe uh, Bruce Campbell has flat out said they basically just showered me with blood, um, yeah. like I was drowning in it. But uh, <laughs> it looks like fun, and I'm really excited to see Sam Raimi and Robert Robert Rob Taper oh, Tauper. What, I forget his last name, but they have they they they've created such fun television. 
uh, for years now, and it's great to see them back and operating on stars with a budget and no standards whatsoever. No, pra- no you know, pra- standards and practices. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> they definitely do not. And I'm, I'm under embargo right now, so I can't really go into specifics about the oh, show. You've but seen uh, it. well, I caught the bottom half of the screen at a screening at Comic Con, um, so I feel like I've kind of seen it. But I've also got like the episodes sitting in my inbox right now. Um, ah. But yeah, I I would definitely agree with your excitement about seeing more of Ash you, you, would, you would not try to dissuade me from my excitement as opposed to say the X-Files where you're preparing me emotionally for the journey <laughs> yeah. that I will go on. Yeah, just, yeah, yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> Very well put. Yes. Uh, so Ash vs. Evil Dead. Meanwhile, Ben, what are you looking forward to? Uh, uh, well, there's, there's this little show that I may have talked about once or twice before. And no, I'm not talking about The Leftovers. <laughs> We already brought it up, so it's fine. And I think Liz probably will, I mean, I don't know if she'll back me on this, but she's seen it, and I haven't seen it yet. So, Liz, tell us, how excited should we all be for Kingdom Season 2? Because <laughs> I think you should be pretty excited. Kingdom is this direct TV show about a family that works out of an MMA uh, a gym in Venice, California, and Ben loves this show. It's great. It's great. <laughs> and I did go to the season two premiere last week. Um, not just for the free food, because I was curious. I've seen, I'd seen a little bit of season one. I figured see season two in the best possible environment, you know, audience that loves it, et cetera. And the thing that I, I will say, you should be excited for Kingdom season two. I think it continues. It, it's uh, a, a really interesting show in terms of the fact that this is this is going to sound like a weird slam, but I mean it in the best way possible. It is a much better show than it needs to be. Like it is, it puts a level of cra- a, le- a level of care into crafting characters and developing situations that I respect, frankly. Like, and the actors are all great, and there's like stuff. I I, I feel like. If I even if I had more context for some of the decisions that were made over the course of the first season, the second season premiere, I'd have a I'd like it even more. But I enjoyed what I saw. Yeah, I bet you'd like it even more, Liz. That's why I need to go back and watch that first season and just revel in its glory because it's awesome. <laughs> and I I've 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 probably written a little more uh, delicately about it, or at least more. Um, Let's just say better. I've I've used better vocabulary yeah. than just saying it's awesome, but uh, but yeah, I I um, it's one of those shows I feel kind of bad recommending too highly because it's just not accessible. It's not easily accessible for people unless you have Directv, and you know there's just a large segment of the population who doesn't have Directv. So I kind of feel bad, but if you get the chance to watch it, don't miss out. I mean, when does uh, when is season one available and outside of Directv yet? It's on it's on DVD. Um, <laughs> what what's that? Yeah, I I don't I haven't seen it. It's definitely not on Netflix. I I'm pretty sure it's not on Amazon Prime or Hulu or anything like that. Um, unless somehow it slipped by me, which would be a surprise for me. Uh, so yeah, I, I it's it's a little bit tricky to find. Yeah. Um... Yeah, that I mean, being said, if any DirecTV people are listening and they want to email me and tell me how to find this easier, I will pass on that work. Yes. 
Uh, it's actually interesting. Uh, they have big billboards for it up at Hollywood and Highland here in Los Angeles. Yeah, and uh, they... They're very, they're very nice looking. I meant to, uh, I meant to take a picture at some point. I failed. Uh, but what's you'll have a chance. Yes, but what's interesting is uh, they one of the thing one of the pieces of information listed on the billboard is the channel it's on, and I was confused by. I was like, why don't I see that all the time? Why don't I see like it's not like I mean, when I say channel, I mean it's like channel uh, five two fifty seven on Directv. And it's because, you know, all the channel numbers are different across different cable providers. You know, it doesn't make sense to list the exact channel listing on, say, a billboard for a FX show. But it does make sense for DirecTV to list the one place you can watch the show, which is channel 257 or something. I will say this in relation to what you just said. I've noticed a trend, at least in okay, a good number of, of kind of uh, press or not press sites, <laughs> like the official site. Uh, for shows or you know advertisements, posters, stuff like that, where they don't list the time. Like some of them won't even list the date. Some of them will just say September, October, November, mm-hmm. um, and just trust that people will find it whenever they want to find it. Like whenever they you know are are searching through HBO Now or Netflix or Amazon or you know looking through Hulu or or however they want to go about watching it. I actually have found it's it's getting trickier and trickier for probably non-broadcast shows. To find the exact time something starts, unless I'm looking at you know a press release or something like that. No, it's totally true. Like, and I definitely and we try to list the times that things air at the end of articles. Uh, and there's actually a specific reason for that. Uh, like, uh, some uh, one of one of our uh, one of our coworkers was talking with someone who works, I think, at a network like NBC, and they were like, "Oh, you guys never list the times," and it's because we don't pay attention to times time slots really that much anymore but you know for that for that one random executive i try to make sure that we mention what time it airs yeah i always try to i always try to put it in just because i feel like even if even if you don't know even if you know you're not going to watch it at 9:30 p.m. on a tuesday for me if i see that written somewhere i'm going to know i'm going to remember better in the back of my head when i can expect new episodes of it or when i can start looking for it, like when I should start looking for it. And I get asked all the time. I get people asking me, when's that show on? Or, you know, like just, is, oh, that's out now? Like they just don't seem to know when something is actually accessible. Um, and, I mean, I, I'm not saying it's directly related to this. It very much well could be just, you know, random examples I'm coming up with. But I don't know. It seems nice. It seems like a nice thing to know, even if you want to binge watch it, even if you want to just, you know, load it up whenever you want to load it up. I'd like to know when it's when I should expect to be able to do that. So. There's nothing wrong with having more information. Exactly. Yeah. Speaking Good point. of which, uh, if you enjoyed this podcast and or just people right ranting about television the way we do, uh, you should go to IndieWire.com for more reviews, interviews, features. Uh, had a bunch of stuff go last night, as mentioned, uh, was crazy, crazy uh, Sunday night, Sunday night TV showtime. Uh, uh, including two Showtime shows. And we had a couple of big interviews go up uh, this morning and lots more to come. Fargo's happening tonight. Uh, we continue We continue to push on into this yeah, great we, abyss. We don't, we don't do recaps at IndieWire, but we do do episode reviews, and they're so much better, guys. So please come check them out. Yes. Um, 
And if you like those, then you're probably going to like our movie reviews, and you're probably going to like our movie podcast, which is The Great Screen Talk, hosted by Eric Cohn and Ann Thompson. And uh, if you're interested in podcasts, then you're obviously going to want to listen to IndieWire Influencers, hosted by our editor-in-chief, Dana Harris, where she brings in all of the important people throughout Hollywood um, and you know the subculture to, uh, to discuss the pertinent issues of today. So make sure you check out those podcasts as well. Yep. Uh, and also, you can go to Twitter and you can look up Ben at Ben T. Travers on Twitter and you will get to see his tweets. And you can go to Twitter and look up Ben Travers at Ben T. No, wait, hold on. <laughs> you can go to Twitter and look up Liz Shannon Miller at Lizlet with an I and an E. Correct. And we'll be back next week talking about television. In the meantime, keep watching it. 